It's Christmas Day 2019, and the Queen has just finished her Christmas Day speech. And she does something very, very unusual, very unconventional for the Queen. She leaves the gates of Buckingham Palace, and she leaves behind her security team. She even leaves behind her corgis as well. And she makes a beeline for the nearest tube station. She gets onto the tube. And she goes to a place called Tower Hamlets, one of the poorest areas in London. She gets off the train, she goes up onto street level. And you can imagine that by this stage, a massive crowd has gathered around the Queen. And she walks down the street and spots an ATM. And outside this ATM, there are two guys sitting on the street, homeless, asking for money. And she picks out a spot on the ground beside them. She sits down. And then to everyone's shock and amazement, she takes off her crown and her priceless jewellery and even her fancy robes as well. And she gives all of that to these two guys. And then finally she reaches into her pocket and she brings out a key. It's the key to Buckingham Palace. And she gives it to the men and says, look, it's yours. You can have it. Well, you can imagine the response of the world's media, can't you? The next day, the headlines. The Daily Mail says, Royal riches to rags. Sky News reports, Queen loses the plot. (laughs) And the Sun newspaper, well, that's a bit less tasteful. It says, I'm a monarch. Get me out of here. And it causes a massive national conversation. People are split all the way through the nation. Some people are saying what the Queen has done is totally undignified and she's dragging this country into the gutter. We don't want a monarch like that. But other people are saying, no, I think what the Queen did was gracious and humble and loving. Well, the reality is that the Queen hasn't done something like that. Not yet, anyway. Although it's a few days until Christmas, so maybe that'll happen. But the other reality is that Jesus Christ, he is the king, not just of the UK, but he's the king of the whole entire universe. King over billions upon billions of stars and billions of galaxies. And effectively, what Jesus has done is actually to go much further than the queen. What Jesus has done, and this is the message of the Christmas story, what Jesus has done is to come down to our level to leave the infinite riches of heaven and the security and comfort of heaven to become one of us, to save us. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. This is the message of Christmas. Yes, there are the shepherds and the wise men and the star. That is all wonderful. That's all part of the Christmas story. But the real heart of the Christmas message is this. That the infinite God of heaven came down to our level so that we could become rich. That you and I tonight, actually, we can become filthy rich. I'm not talking about financial riches, but actually something much, much more significant. And there are two ways I want to talk about tonight, two ways in which Jesus gives us a taste of his wealth. Firstly, he gives us the riches of forgiveness, and then secondly, the riches of life that lasts. Firstly, the riches of 
forgiveness. If you have been alive for any amount of time, you will know that the world that we live in is not a perfect place. There are all sorts of wonderful things, friendship and fun and family, of course. But we also know that the world is a very broken place. We know that whenever we we watch TV news or we scroll through our news feeds, we see story after story of violence and of abuse, of, of murder, of lies, of slander, of hypocrisy and of hatred. And in fact, probably now more than ever, we're more and more disillusioned in our politicians. We think our politicians are corrupt or maybe they're ineffective or they're incompetent. We live in a world of fake news. We can't trust the media either. We live in a broken and a fallen world. So we might be tempted to think, well, the problem is all out there. It is a few bad eggs who are ruining it for the rest of us, us good people. But the reality is that the problem with the world is not just stuff that goes on out there, but actually it's stuff that goes on in each one of our hearts. A number of years ago, the the Times newspaper sent out an inquiry uh, to a range of different thinkers and writers, and they asked just one question. They asked, what do you think is wrong with the world today? What is wrong with the world today? And they got a range of different responses, all sorts of different ideas. But one man, a guy called G.K. Chesterton, wrote back and he said this. Dear sir, I am yours, G.K. Chesterton. In other words, he realized that actually the problem is not just bad stuff that goes on out there, but the problem is with him and his heart. Somebody once famously said that the the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. And that's something that is true for every single one of us. You might be here tonight and you think, well, essentially I'm a good person. And look, you might be a really nice and very pleasant person, I'm sure. But the reality is that no matter how good we might think we are, we all know that we give in to temptation, that there are lies that we tell, promises that we break, things that we say to other people that are hurtful, that we later think, I wish I hadn't said that. There is a problem with the human heart. The Bible calls this problem sin. Now, we might think that's a bit of an old-fashioned word. Perhaps it's a word we haven't seen much or heard much about. But essentially, all that sin means is it's an addiction to selfishness, an addiction to our own way of doing things. And in fact, it's more than that. It's rebellion against God. Because God has created every single one of us to have a relationship with him, to know him, to love him, because he loves us. And yet what we do is we turn around to God and we say, God, shove off. I don't want you to be a part of my life. And the problem with that is that that attitude needs to be punished. We all know that if we see a crime happen, we want that person to be brought to justice. Well, God is no different. God is the God of love and mercy, but he's also the God of justice. And so all of the sin, all of the wrongdoing that we do needs to be punished. And the amazing story, the amazing truth of Christmas is that Jesus is the one who saves us. You remember what the angel says to the shepherds when they're watching their flocks at night? The angel comes and says, I give you good news of great joy that is for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born. Notice that the angel doesn't say, I I bring you good news of great joy for some of the people, for some of the religious people, some of the people who go to church. No, he says, for all the people, absolutely everyone, this offer is open to you. A saviour has been born, a rescuer has been born. 
And what Jesus did almost 30 years later, or over 30 years later, he went from one piece of wood from the manger <coughs> to another piece of wood to the cross. And on that cross, he took on the punishment and the penalty for all of the wrongdoing that you and that I have ever done. That is the good news of Christmas. It is that this tiny little baby takes on the sin and the pain and the penalty of all of our sin. Jesus gives us the riches of forgiveness. But secondly then, Jesus also gives us the riches of a life that lasts. Now we all know that life is a a wonderful gift. We have so many things that we enjoy. But the problem with this life is that it doesn't last. Shakespeare once said this said, life is but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. That's pretty bleak, isn't it? But actually it's true. That the life is a bit like an actor who goes onto a stage, you have your time for an hour, you receive all the limelight, all the applause, and then you make your exit off the stage. If that is all that life is, then the question is, where are we to find meaning and purpose and satisfaction? The good news is that Jesus can give us all of that. Because he is the one who gives us a life that lasts. Not just a life that that is over once we die, but actually when we die, we receive eternal life. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And you might have an idea of God in your head that he's some sort of cosmic killjoy that he wants to just make you obey all of these rules and then maybe, maybe if you're good enough, you'll get into heaven. That is not the God of the Bible. Jesus says you can have life and have it to the full. You can have eternal life. Reconciled relationship with God, worshipping him forever in heaven. But you might be here tonight and you say, well, that all sounds really great, that sounds good, but it's a bit of wishful thinking, isn't it? It's wishful thinking. Well, actually, no, it's not. We know that this is true because Jesus is the one who came back from the dead. You see, he died on the cross. He was executed by the Roman officials. But then three days later, he comes back to life. And in so doing, he defeats sin and he defeats death forever. And when you read the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, there's a part that says that if you put your trust in Jesus... Well, then you too can share in that everlasting life, that life that lasts, and that you and that I can defeat sin and defeat death. This is the wonderful news that we have at Christmas time. You might be here tonight and you say, well, look, I still have doubts. I still have concerns about this. Maybe I disbelieve it altogether. Well, if, it, if that is you, can I encourage you, pick up one of the biographies of Jesus. There are four official biographies, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Pick up any one of those and investigate it for yourself. See who this Jesus person is. Because if this is true, if you have this offer of forgiveness for all of your sin and shame and guilt, and you can have everlasting life, well, that is a massive life-changing thing, isn't it? You want to know what it is that you are disagreeing with. But you might be here tonight, and maybe you're curious, you want to find out more you have questions. Well, we are running a course. Our, our pastor, who's just at the back there, a guy called Lee, if you speak to him after, he'll be able to tell you about a course called Alpha. He'll be taking some, uh, some details. You can give him your name and your details. And we'll be doing a course in the, the new year. 
But perhaps you're here tonight and you are actually ready to put your faith in Jesus. Maybe this is something that you've been thinking about for a while now. And you want to actually make that step and say, yes, I want this forgiveness and I want eternal life. And if that is you, well then you can pray along with me. I'm going to say a short prayer uh, to finish. So let's, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this amazing ultimate gift of your son, the Lord Jesus, that you give to us at Christmas. Lord, I pray that I want to say I'm sorry for my sin. I want to turn away from all the wrongdoing that I've ever done. I want to recognize, Lord, how I have sinned and rebelled against you. And Lord, I want to accept your offer of forgiveness this evening. Thank you, Lord. And I want to make you my, my Lord and my Savior of my life. In Jesus' name.